All right, so shkoach to everybody for uh, for coming. Tonight's shir is based on a question which uh, somebody uh, uh, asked me about uh, last night, and I thought it was an interesting question, and one which we haven't uh, touched upon as of yet. So I said, oh, this will be a perfect uh, shayla to go ahead and to uh, to do on a Thursday night. So it's Thursday night, and here we are. And the question is uh, related to um, there's a uh, probably many people, but it's somebody who collects food after simchas and after corporate events and whenever lots of food is ordered. I think some shuls may also do it, but uh, they drop off the food at a central location. Uh, the the person who asked the question is a woman uh, in town, so they drop it off on her front porch. Um, and at some point, you know, at different at different times, she'll go out, she'll bring the food inside, and then she dis- distributes it amongst the poor. And I didn't ask her where, uh, what, what uh, led her to ask the question now, because she's been doing it for a number of years, but she uh, became concerned that maybe there's a problem that the food is outside without anybody watching it. And as we're going to see, there's such a halacha as basr shenis alamina ayin, meat, which uh, nobody is keeping their watchful eye on. And when such a thing happens, so Chazal say that such, uh, such meat, at the very least, is going to be aser. So maybe she needs to go ahead and uh, uh, she needs to take some uh, greater precautions or she needs to somehow alert the people who are dropping off the food that they need to double wrap it. They need to put two seals on it. So that is the, uh, the Shiloh which, uh, which she asked. And uh, what we will do is we will now see uh, some of the background and then some of the, uh, the, uh, the issues which are involved. So this now appears on the screen in front of you. Yeah? Yeah, okay. So the beginning of this, or the sugya begins with obviously this, uh, this Gemara over here in, uh, um, in uh, Hulin, which says very clearly, Amarav, Rav says, So when meat, when a person's gaze or a person's attention has been diverted away from a piece of meat, so it becomes Aser. What exactly does it mean when we say it becomes Aser? So Rashi explains, Rashi right there in the Gemara, There was, now if you take it literally, you'd think that you have to lose track of it for an hour, but it doesn't really need to be an hour per se. Sha'achas means just a, a period of time. So if there's a period of time where nobody has their attention on it and nobody was watching it and keeping track of it, and as we're going to see in another Gemara and more uh, from Shulchan Aruch, that even if it was actually on your table, let's say you were in the middle of, uh, of, uh, of eating uh, dinner, and then you realize, oh my gosh, min starts in five minutes, and you run out and you leave, seemingly you leave the meat there. Let, let's say you can put it in your home. Let's make it a little bit better that you were out at a, uh, a picnic table or something. You're out at, at work at uh, in the, uh, the table where people go ahead and eat lunch. You say, oh my gosh, I just realized that I didn't have mincha or I didn't whatever it happens to be. So you go running out and you leave your meat sandwich on the table there. So then it's going to be aser. So when you lose track of it, it's aser. Why? Sheman is chalef b'nevela. Out of concern that maybe it got switched with non-kosher meat. And there's a sugi. I was trying to find the sugi, which I, I couldn't find uh, t- today. And then I was very frustrated that I couldn't find it. But there's a, a, a long Gemara about uh, the Basr Shinisal Minayan. I don't know it's so long. But there's a Gemara about Basr Shinisal Minayan where it gets lost. And the concern is that animals 
or birds may have gone ahead and done a switcheroo with the uh, with the food. You were eating, uh, you know, one salami sandwich, and the uh, a bird came along and took your salami sandwich and replaced it with the Traif guy's salami sandwich uh, that was next to yours. So that's one concern. But we're going to focus our attention less so on animals doing the switch, and we're going to focus our attention on people making the switch. So the Gemara now asks, though, after going through a number of different uh, uh, um, angles of this, uh, this particular lacha, so the Gemara now says, Gemara asks a very fundamental question, says, So if, you need, if somebody needs to have their attention on the meat at all times, so that's virtually impossible, and the Gemara says, how would Rav ever eat a piece of meat? There must have been some point where somebody didn't have their attention on it, and it could go ahead and it could get switched. So how is it possible for him to eat meat? So the Gemara gives essentially three answers. Either at the time that he was eating, he made sure never to turn his attention away from the sandwich, so he wouldn't go get up and just leave it there. Or or they would go ahead and we'll just going to say for simplicity that they would tie it up and put a seal on it. So that's like the meals that you get when you fly internationally, that there's plastic around it, and then there's the, the, uh, the stickers. So there's two levels of, of tampering, which somebody would have to do in order to be able to access that food. And if it's served to you and you notice that somebody was tampering with it, so then you're not allowed to eat it. So that's the, the, the basis of that. And it should be when, uh, when you order food from a restaurant, from a kosher restaurant that gets delivered, it should have two seals on it. That's this phrase of bitsaira v'chasuma. And the same thing is true that in the event that you order out from a caterer and somebody drops off a whole pan of catered food, also you want to make sure that it's bitsaira v'chasuma. You want to make sure that it is properly sealed so that you can be assured that nobody tampered with it. Or, says the Gemara, v'inami b'simana. Another way that you can make sure that this is yours is that you could, there could be a simon on the meat. There could be some unique feature of the, of the meat, which is uncommon. And as soon as you see that, you'll know for sure that that must be your sandwich. That wouldn't be someone else's. What would be an example of that? Says the Gemara. So he would go ahead and he would slice, we're going to say again, just for simplicity, he would slice his deli into triangles rather than a square or a circle. So when you go ahead and you sit down with your triangle salami sandwich, so obviously nobody else in the, the room is going to have a triangle-shaped salami sandwich. They're going to have either on square bread, they'll have it on rye bread, and the salami will certainly be circular. So therefore, once you go ahead and you see that your salami is in that triangle shape, that must be my salami because who else is going to have triangle-shaped salami? So then you don't have to be worried about somebody switching it because that's not going to happen. Why isn't, uh, why isn't ask, assigning a shomer? Uh, one of the choices. Um, so that would, be, that would be essentially the first one where it says that somebody didn't turn their attention from it. So as long as somebody's there watching it, so then it's okay. It's only when it was left alone by itself, that's when the, uh, the, pro- the problem arises. Okay. Now, in a different Gemara, uh, in the Gemara Navodah Zara, the bottom of Lama Tess, on top of Amma Beis, Rav, Rav says, and this is uh, uh, reminiscent of what the second explanation was from source number three. But here, Rav says explicitly that there are four foods for which a single seal is not going to suffice. You need to have a double seal around it in order for it to be reliable. 
So the, the Rashi Tevos for that is this word over here, Ches Veis Yud Saf. So what is that a Rashi Tevos for? And we're just going to skip the middle one, So the, which is a different set of halachas. So he's saying, what are the four things which require a double seal? Chalav, milk, basar, meat, yayin, wine, and tcheles. Tcheles, it used to be in, in the day, they could easily get a Chinese knockoff, uh, which was not made from the actual snail or the actual fish, but is made from some sort of a plant. So in order to make sure that you have authentic tcheles also, you need to go ahead and if it's being shipped to you, so you need to make sure that it's double sealed, that somebody doesn't go ahead and take the expensive authentic tcheles and replace it with the cheap knockoff and then go ahead and sell the expensive thing on their own. So these are things which are asur and b'chos They're asur if they are, 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 uh, only have one layer of packaging on them rather than two. Now, what is the context of this? And this is something which is going to be important as our discussion unfolds. So Rashi says, Asur b'chosam echad. So what does it mean uh, for our purposes that meat cannot have a single seal around it? Certainly when you go into, uh, you go into Hungarian or Sarah's tent, whatever they're called, and you buy a package of, uh, uh, of ground beef or a package of any meat, so there's going to be one seal around it. There's one layer of plastic around it, and that's all there is. So if the Gemara is telling us now, if Rav is telling us the Gemara that one seal is not sufficient, so how come all of our meat uh, is bought from the store with a single seal around it? So Rashi explains, We're not talking about where you go ahead and pick up the meat from the store personally. We're talking about where you go ahead and you, you contact Uber Eats or you contact Grubhub and you say, can you go ahead and bring me the... Uh, uh, a steak from shallots. So they are now going to be alone with that piece of meat. So since it's being sent uh, from one Jew to another Jew uh, and being transported by a non-Jew in the middle over there, that's what Rav means when he says that one seal is not going to be enough. Why? The the Being that kosher meat and authentic treles is expensive. Tarach umezayif lachlifam. So the fear is, is that the non-Jew is going to go ahead and make an effort to try and use a cheap treif knockoff for either the meat or the treilas, and will replace it with the, uh, the generic brand, which is, uh, which is not kosher. And for the wine, he may go ahead and want to use your better quality wine to pour before his avodazara. So we don't want, or we don't want him to go ahead and touch it. And with regards to Chelev Parchle Kaman, the Gemara later on asks about that. We're not going to see that. Okay, so this is now the, uh, the halach, which is going to be relevant uh, for us. And that is, there's really two elements of this, both of which we will uh, sort of touch upon tonight. And that is, so one element is Basar Shani is the question of leaving meat in the refrigerator or leaving meat in the freezer or leaving cooked meat in the re- refrigerator. Uh, when everybody goes to work in the non-Jewish domestic help is there alone with the meat in the refrigerator. So that's one question of Basar Shani Nobody's there to watch it anymore. And therefore, what's going to stop them from deciding that they want to taste some of your kosher salami, they've heard so much about Romanian salami, they're going to go ahead and take your, your Romanian salami and they'll replace it with slices of Oscar Mayer or something like that, as Jewish as it sounds, uh, but it's not the same thing as Romanian. And then the other thing is going to be the issue of shipping meat or shipping food from, uh, from a restaurant to your house and 
the uh, the circumstances where that may or may not be okay. So here we say, so here Shulchan Aruch says, skip all the Rishon, we just go straight to Shulchan Aruch. So he says, Ya'inu basar So whether you have wine, which you want to make sure that it remains kosher, or you have meat, which was cooked and you want it to remain kosher, or fish, which also needs a simon because you don't want them replacing your kosher fish with a non-kosher variety of fish. Which you deposited by, means saying, could you go ahead and watch this for me? I'm going out for an hour. Or you went ahead and you asked the rest of this. So that would be the case of the domestic help inside of your home. Or you had it shipped by a non-Jew. So that's where you have your sandwich from the Costa restaurant delivered by Grubhub or delivered by Uber Eats or whatever the uh, the um, the most uh, you know popular app is. So sarich shtechosamos. So if you are going to go ahead and eat that meat after it was watched by a non-Jew or after it was shipped by a non-Jew, so the only way that that's considered to be reliable as far as kashrus is concerned is in the event that there are two seals around it. But in the event that it shows up with only one seal, so then you're not allowed to, uh, you're not allowed to eat it. The example, if you remember, we talked about whether you could be an Uber, uh, an Uber Eats driver or Grubhub driver. So our concern in that year was a possibility that maybe you as a Jewish driver, you may say, I keep hearing all these things about McDonald's fries. I just got to try a couple of fries. So you're sitting there with a bag of McDonald's on the seat in front of you and you stick your hand in and you just grab a couple of fries. Who's going to miss two fries? And we said, that's the fear. So the same thing is true over here, that in the event that your sandwich is being shipped and it's not properly uh, um, tamper-proofed, so the fear is, is that the non-Jew will go ahead and will, will take some of it and replace it with some of his tray food. So therefore, Shulchan Aruch says, and that's why, as, as we mentioned, on the, the airplane, so whenever you're flying internationally and they're serving a meal, so you have to make sure that you have the double seal around it. Otherwise, it's not considered to be tamper-proof and you're not allowed to eat the, the food. Question. Yes. Uh, dog Shainbo dog Simon, is the Simon the Hashkocha, uh, the UO or the CRC or whatever, what's the Simon? Um, a simon that, it, that it, somehow it's yours. It could be that it's cut in a, a unique way. Um, one thing would be salmon, the red flesh of salmon is something which is, a, which is a, something unique to salmon, I think, and therefore, uh, by and large, we consider that to be a simon. But, uh, but it could also be that you bought it from, from a kosher restaurant and they put their double tape seal around it. So, okay. So the simon refers to uh, how the sample is identified and not, that wouldn't be our, our kosher simon in the market. Right. Just having an OU on it. I mean, the stuff which has an OU on it is, is, is sealed. You be, that's also essentially tamper-proof. Okay. You could see that also, but, uh, but the, the, the simon over here is a simon that nobody tampered with it. Okay, thank you. Okay. So now, what is the issue? So here, we jump to somebody who's a contemporary of all of ours. He's alive now. Uh, wrote a, uh, a number of very nice uh, svarim. So here, he gives a little bit of an introduction to this idea of basar shenis alimina ayin. And he says as follows, perish. Shamafki davro shochobiyat akum. That if you go ahead and you give something to a non-Jew to watch, you give a piece of meat to a non-Jew to watch, or you go ahead and you have it shipped with a non-Jewish driver. So, 
So we have to be afraid that maybe the non-Jew will go ahead and will do a switcheroo and will switch yours uh, uh, for his. For example, So you're sending a Romanian uh, salami sandwich. So it's being shipped from the restaurant to you. So the concern is, that maybe he'll want to go ahead and try this Romanian salami. Now, he doesn't want to get caught. It would be embarrassing for him to go ahead and drop off a salami sandwich without any salami. So that would unlikely have happened in the restaurant. They're, they're not going to forget to put the salami in. So he obviously does want to get caught having taken out the kosher salami and giving you nothing. So therefore, what he's going to do in order to uh, remain, to present himself as innocent and not having tampered, He'll go ahead and replace it with an inferior quality meat, meaning Oscar Mayer, nothing personal. And he'll benefit because now he's had a Romanian salami sandwich and you went ahead and he got away. He didn't have to buy it for whatever it cost to, to, to purchase one. He was able to get away with buying a simple Oscar Mayer salami sandwich. And we have to be afraid that the replacement meat, which he put into your sandwich, so that is actually prohibited meat. So out of this concern, Chazal say, So you have to go ahead and you have to properly seal whatever meat or fish that you're sending, that that you are giving to the non-Jew to watch, or you are having him delivered to you, in either one of those two cases, you have to go ahead and you have to seal it in a way where it is tamper-proof. So this is, this is the, the, the concern. Now, another thing, before we get to uh, the, uh, where things start to get interesting, is whether or not you could get away with a single seal or a double seal. So what exactly is going to make things, from a halachic perspective, what makes it uh, tamper-proof? So in the same simon, I didn't say which it was, it was in your day, Kuf Yerches. So the Ramah now says, Yesh, ooh, sorry, wrong place. This is something which is almost counterintuitive. There are those who say that when do you need to have a double seal, because we're afraid that, if a, that a single seal may not be tamper-proof enough, that's when you're dealing with a non-religious Jew. So the non-religious Jew may have an agenda over here to go ahead and switch one for the other. But if the person who is handling the meat is not Jewish, it's all going to be permitted even if there's only one seal. So according to this opinion, if you get your meal on the, uh, on the airlines and it turns out that the outer seal has been tampered with, so according to this opinion, you can say, listen, there's still a single seal which is intact. And being that the people that we're concerned about over here are non-Jews, you're flying something other than El Al. So being that you're, uh, you're uh, dealing with non-Jews who are the flight attendants rather than Jews, so you'd be able to, according to this opinion, you'd be able to eat it even though it doesn't, it's not double sealed, it's only single sealed. But, says the Ramah, even though there is such an opinion, it's an opinion that you could rely upon, the Chathila, we wouldn't rely on such an opinion. 
So therefore, really, we, we, we require that it's going to be double sealed, and only in a Bidiyevit situation, you know, whatever that Bidiyevit situation is going to be, you haven't eaten in 24 hours because your flights got delayed, you missed a flight, you got stuck somewhere where you couldn't get any kosher food. So in that case, you may be able to rely on this Yesh Omrim of the, uh, that the Ramah brings down, that a single seal is going to suffice. But certainly when it comes to, uh, to uh, Svardim, so they are going to mandate double seal. That's the only way it's considered to be tamper-proof, no matter what. Okay, now let's actually, before, one, more, one more source before we get to the, uh, to the interesting part. So now we say this is at, in the same simon, but it's later on. So this is the case more of domestic help. So here it says, and this is important uh, in, in the event that this arises, and it's something which uh, is a shaila, which is probably more frequent than people uh, imagine. But Shulchan Aruch says, So you go to work and you leave the, the cleaning help to go ahead, and they're going to be there for an hour or two cleaning the house. And you have food in the refrigerator, which if they were to replace your salami with their salami, or your hamburgers with their hamburgers, so that would involve an isidaraisa. So seemingly you're in trouble. So now, if you don't actually leave permanently, you're not in the kitchen the whole time that they're there, but you're going in and out of the rooms and you're walking around the house and there's always a possibility they could pop in a room at any time. Or even if you were actually gone for a while, you had a Zoom meeting, but but, uh, but you didn't tell them that you're going to be in a Zoom meeting for the next half hour. So as far as they're concerned, you may at any point drop into the kitchen to go ahead and grab a snack or grab a drink. Mutter. So in all of these cases, it is mutter. And we're not afraid that maybe the non-Jew went ahead and did a switcheroo. Why are we not afraid? So there's this idea that nobody wants to get caught looking like a thief. And if the non-Jew thinks that you could pop in at any time, called Yotze Venichnas, that's the, the phrase over there. This is what they use in, uh, uh, in some restaurants, where, like in, uh, in Dunkin' Donuts, for example. So you don't have a mashgiach who's there 24-7 watching the manufacturing of donuts, but you'll have mashgiach which will show up at random times. So that in, in the event that they're doing something which they should not be doing, there's always a fear that maybe the rabbi is going to pop in at this moment. So the idea of Yosef and Nicholas creates a fear that I don't want to do something which if I'm caught, I'm going to be in big trouble. And that fear is enough to, uh, uh, um, uh, to uh, dissuade them, I guess, to prevent them from tampering with the food. And he says, Even if it would be true that the non-Jew would benefit from making this switcheroo, as long as they have this ongoing fear that you're going to pop in, so it's okay. Provided that you didn't go ahead and lock the door, lock them into the house, and then they know that you're going to be gone for a while. The fee, and the reason, as we said, is because the whole time the non-Jew is going to be fearful. Oh, the Jew may pop in at this point. Mrs. Cohen is going to pop in at this point and see my hand in her salami sandwich. And she will cut off my hand, and then uh, you know I'll be lucky to get out with my feet. So, being that there's an ongoing fear of that they'll get caught tampering, so that becomes the disincentive. That's the word I was using. That's the disincentive for them to go ahead and do so, and that disincentive gives us enough halachic confidence that no tampering actually took place. 
Okay, so now what we have is our, is our background, is our foundation over here is, so we know that there's a problem to leave a non-Jew alone with, uh, with a piece of meat. There's a problem to go ahead and ship or have meat delivered by a non-Jew because of that same fear of tampering. So seemingly over here, where you have food which is left out on the front porch, and anybody could come by, because people do, they drop off food. So just like anybody could come by and drop off food, so maybe we have to have, uh, maybe the, uh, the halachic fear applies that the, a, a non-Jew may come along and do a switcheroo. What's to stop a non-Jew from coming along and seeing every day? They see, walk by and they see this pile of, uh, of food. They see names of restaurants or caterers on the side of some of the, the stuff over there. So they know that this is happening regularly. Maybe they'll go ahead and they'll grab some of the kosher stuff. There, they might not even have to replace it with non-kosher stuff. But there's a possibility that to avoid getting caught, they may replace it with something not kosher. Do we have to be afraid? Does this generate a fear, that uh, halachic fear, which means that this woman would have to take precautions to assure that nobody is tampering it? Or do, in this circumstance, we not have to be, uh, do we not have to be uh, concerned? So I looked up one of this farm, which I have, uh, to see if I could just, uh, you know, find, uh, uh, most times what you need is you need to find an initial address as far as where the child is being discussed. And then from there, it's easy to go ahead and work backwards. So there's a nice safer, which I have on Kashrus uh, parts of Yoridea. And that's what we have in source 10. It says, Psakim Uchuvos. So here, the very first piece he has on our simon, on Kuf Yerches in Yeridea. So he says as follows. He says that you should know, and I got, you'll see, I got extremely excited and then uh, potentially disappointed, all within these four lines, or these three and a half lines. So it was a, a roller coaster ride for me. So he says, The entire concern of this simon of halacha, that the goy may go ahead and do a switcheroo, that's only applicable when you've given the goy the authority or you've given him the meat to go ahead and watch. So whether that's the cleaning help when you leave the house for work or whether that's the delivery person, but it's now under the non-Jew's care. So when the meat is under the non-Jew's care, that's when our concern arises. That's the domestic help. If you leave the non-Jew alone with your food. But let's say the food is left out in a place which is hefker. So you're at, you're at um, um, you go to botanical gardens. You decide you're going to have a, uh, a picnic in botanical gardens. And you go out and you spread out your, uh, your food over there. You, you leave the food in a cooler, which is only one seal, and you go off and you take a two-hour walk around the botanical gardens, and then you're going to come back to your, uh, to your, your picnic blanket, and you're going to go ahead and eat. So do we say nobody was watching the meat for two hours, somebody could easily come along and replace your, your Romanian salami with their non-kosher salami, and maybe there's going to be a concern. So says this Psakim and we'll see where he gets this from, he says, Ein in the guy. We don't have to be concerned in this case where it's left in a hefker location. We don't have to be concerned that a goy is going to start tampering with it. The only thing is that other sugi, which again, the, the frustrating one, which I couldn't find, about birds and uh, rodents taking your food and ex- exchanging it. So I read this and I said, woohoo, we found a heter for it. We are good to go because on this lady's front, uh, front uh, porch, so that should really be a case of hefker. 
And being that it's not specifically under a non-Jew's care or watch, so that means the whole simon uh, or the whole uh, the whole concept of or the whole principle of basar shenis alamin ayin should not be applicable, and therefore everything should be fine, and there's no concern whatsoever. So I was all excited, and then I remind myself, don't be lazy and don't just read half a paragraph and then think that you're that you're done. There could always be more information at the end of the paragraph. <laughs> so the next three words say, however, there are those who are machmer. And they're concerned about a goy doing the switcheroo, even if it's left in this open location. You didn't specifically deposit it by them under their care and watch. You just left it out on the picnic blanket as you were walking around botanical gardens. Imrov as long as there's a concern, as long as the majority of the people in the neighborhood are non-Jews. So here, in the, the place where this is, so as, uh, as Jewish as we like to think our neighborhoods are, it's still rove non-Jews. So therefore, they're, they're, according to this opinion, so yesh so there's a reason to be concerned that even if you leave it out, that maybe a goy will come along and do a switcheroo, and that will make it awesome. But he says, one leniency, he says, as long as there's some sign on the meat, even if it's an inferior sign, meaning you don't need a double seal for this, that it'll be sufficient if you have a single seal around the food. Everybody's going to say that that is permitted. So in this case, where you're leaving something out on the front porch, even according to the Machmer opinion, it doesn't need to be double sealed. It's not the same thing as when you get a meal on the airplane for uh, which needs to be du- uh, which needs to be double sealed over here when it's on the uh, the porch. One opinion says you don't need it to be sealed at all. You can just leave the sandwich straight out, and the other opinion says you can't leave it straight out. But a simple seal will be enough. And even if it's in his terminology, it's a simon garua. It's not even such a good seal, but that's already that's going to be enough. Okay, so now that there's a machlokas, so now we have to find out how do we pass it in this machlokas. So we are going to be able to find a definitive ruling regarding this matter or not. Okay. Am I shaffle? Yes. Um, when we talk about neighborhoods, what does that mean exactly? Does that, I mean, does that mean on your block? Does it mean uh, in your zip code? What does it, what does that mean? Because yes. there are places in Skokie and West Rogers Park where, I mean, if you certainly did it by the block, you would find that the majority of people are are from people. And and I, I just, I don't know, I'm just, I'm not being critical, I just don't know what it means. Right, so it, it, it depends on, so th- there's different areas of halacha where this is, uh, where this is relevant, or you bring up an excellent point. Um, I, I, I would say that it's probably based on the block, but it's not even necessarily just the, 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 the number of people, the people who live there, but it's the people who are present there. So like nowadays, um, you know, even on Jewish blocks, there's lots of, uh, you know, in Jewish neighborhoods, there's lots of construction, which takes place, believe it or not. And that means that there's a lot of worker men who are there who are not necessarily Jewish. In the spring and summertime, there are lots of landscapers that are around who are out and about. So they also contribute to that population in terms of determining whether it's Jewish or not. So it's not just the people who live on the block, but it's the people who are going back and forth on the, uh, on the block. So, yeah, if we needed to decide that, there would be an interesting question as far as how exactly we would make that call. 
but let's just assume for argument's sake that uh, that this is a place that the place happens to be right near a non-Jewish school. It's almost similar to like where we live. So even if you consider Arcadia, the rabbi side of Arcadia, to be uh, even if it were true that we are majority Jewish, but being that we live right across the street from a public school, we have literally hundreds of non-Jews who are walking up and down our streets, you know, during the day. So that tilts that would seemingly tilt the population, uh, uh, you know, percentages whether it's majority Jewish or not. Okay, so now the Machmer opinion, um, we're going to go with that first. And he says as follows. So this is something which also took me a while to find where he was getting this from. But the Arch HaShochan quotes an earlier authority called the Simla Chadasha. He says as follows. Yesh Mish Omer. Some people say, that in a non-Jewish marketplace where the non-Jews constitute the majority of people who are present in the market, Yesh Leso Afilu so even if you left, you find your sandwich exactly where you left it, that's going to be awesome. If you were gone for a period of time, because there's a concern that the non-Jew may have gone ahead and switched it around. Unless most of the meat in the city, unless you're like in Bnei Brak, where most of the meat which you're going to find in Bnei Brak is going to be kosher meat, in all likelihood, uh, such that uh, the, the only supply of meat which is really available is the kosher meat, and even the non-Jews in that city end up eating kosher meat. So in that case, you could be lenient. That doesn't apply here. But without this, so if you have a majority of non-Jews, so which are, uh, which are out and about, so in order to uh, consider the meat kosher, the Rachel says that you need some sort of simon or some sort of way to visibly recognize that this is your meat as opposed to something else. And he says, so this is where it says, Sham div- Sham dalad. so that's this sefer called Simla Chadasha. And the Rachel says, V'divrei tamhim. And he says what he writes makes a lot of sense. I don't know if he meant to say Tom Tasty also, double entendre over there. But he says that it's divrei Tom, that what he said makes sense. And that's where that previous source, the source 10, went ahead and got this phrase from, that even if it's an inferior quality seal, but as long as there's something to indicate to you that somebody didn't tamper with it, so you don't need it to be, uh, you know, double locked, it's going to be enough if you have just some sort of simon on it to, to, uh, to do so. But this is the chumrah of the Arach HaShoch. Um, actually, we're going to go out of order. We're going to read 13, and then we're going to go back to, uh, to 12. Then I'll show it to you in Shulchan Arach. So this is, so source 11 over here, the Arach HaShoch, so that was the Machmer opinion. So that's the Machmer opinion. And if you, uh, uh, if you apply the Arach HaShochan to this lady's front porch, you would say that if food is left out, even though it's left out in the place of, of Hefter, so he says that you need to have minimally some sort of seal on it in order for it to still remain kosher. And in the event that it doesn't have any seal on it whatsoever, so this is something which is going to be, which is going to be awesome. Now, in contrast, the lenient opinion, which was quoted, comes from the source 13. This is the Chuvas of the Tuv Tam Vedas, Tlisai Chelek Zion. We're not going to discuss how he goes ahead and keeps track of his uh, his far. We're just going to let that be. So he writes as follows. So this is a, a picture of the, the text. He says, Gam Yesh Lomar. So he suggests, 
the Chazal also rak lehafki biad nachri or leniach nachri bechanusa. He says Chazal's iser of basa shenis aluminayin is only when you hand the meat to the guy and say, "Watch this for me," or you. His example is you leave a non-Jew in the kosher butcher shop without any Jews to watch and make sure that he's not switching some some of the meat. Our equivalent of that is the domestic help, the cleaning help, which are left alone in the house. So the bazaar, in such a case where they now have control over the meat and there's no Jews watching them, that being there, there's a reyasa, that the non-Jew is nearby, uh, in the Balim went ahead and left. So in such a scenario where the meat is under their current control, that's where we have to be afraid of tampering. Ah, however, if you do not give it, if you do not deposit it in the possession of the non-Jew to watch it for you, and you didn't leave him alone in your house or your store with the meat, but the non-Jew could come into your house and he could go ahead and he could start tampering with it. So in such a case, we have to be afraid of maybe something will happen where the, the foundation for that doesn't even get off the ground. He says that we don't have to be concerned. Now, I'll elaborate on that more in a moment. He says, So he says that to imagine, right, I'm sitting there um, uh, eating a sandwich in the, uh, in the park. So, and I go, uh, you know, to push one of the kids on the swing and I come back. So, and I don't see anybody whatsoever in the park. The only people that are in the park are, are shaffles. So in that case, I didn't have my eye on the meat for, uh, for five minutes. So I was pushing the swing. So do I have to be afraid of uh, So maybe when I wasn't looking, maybe a non-Jew ran in as fast as flash, went ahead and did a switcheroo, and I didn't notice because he was so quick or something like that. So if there's no basis for concern, that's the achzuke reyesa, to be machzik, to assume something ra happened. So to go ahead and create a concern out of nothing, there the Tuv Tavada says, we don't have to be afraid to make, we don't have to make up concerns which are not, which are, don't have a foundation to them. When you give the meat to the non-Jew and say, deliver this over there, or you say to the non-Jew, clean up the house, and I'm going to be back in two hours. So now we are, the, the reyesa, the concern already exists because they're alone with your food. You know, you know what your food is. You know that the non-Jew is there, and they could go over ahead and easily start tampering with it because you already have a non-Jew which is present. But if you don't know that there's a non-Jew there, to imagine maybe a non-Jew showed up and did a quick switcheroo when you didn't see anybody, that the Tuf Tamada says, We don't have to make up concerns which don't actually exist. And therefore, he's a lenient opinion, which says that if you leave your meat in a place of Hefker, and there's no reason to think that there's a non-Jew who's coming around and who's tampering with your stuff, so you don't have to make up that concern. So according to him, Basra Shinis Alamein is a little bit of misnomer. It's not simply that you didn't have your gaze on it or you weren't looking at it for a period of time. It's you weren't looking at it when a non-Jew had control over it. 
But when there were no non-Jews around in the first place uh, anyways, so then why do you have to be concerned that maybe the uh, a non-Jew showed up and decided to go ahead and start tampering with your, with your sandwich? We don't have to make up concerns which have no foundation uh, whatsoever. So that would seem to be the machlokas between, so seemingly, as we said, there's a machlokas going on between the Archa Shochan and the Tuv Tamvedas, whether or not this food which is left out on the porch is going to be mutter or not. Now, this is why we, turns out now we're going to go back to source 12. Source 12 is going to tell us, this is going to be another sif in Shochan Arch, which is going to be instructive, which is going to uh, uh, tell us that even the Archa Shochan is going to agree in this case that it's going to be permitted. What's, what's the basis to say that even the Aruch HaShulchan would agree, or the Simla Chadasha are going to agree that it's permitted? So he says that, this is uh, in Kof Ches Siv Zayim, and here's the kicker. So he says, Im So you sent meat by a non-Jewish Grubhub driver or Uber Eats driver, and it was without a seal, it wasn't properly sealed. Im also if, however, you send him across the street, so you're sending him, let's say, um, uh, you're sending some uh, baked goods from North Shore Bakery to Yashurin, right? So you're just going straight down to it. There's no, there's no place to go other than from across, or let, let's go to the restaurant, or let's go whenever they had, uh, you're going from uh, whatever the, 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 the pizza, the name of the pizza place is now, uh, whatever it used to be, Chalavi. So you're going from Chalavi, and they're going to they're gonna drive it over to, uh, to Yashurin. So that is a public area. Let's assume the guy's he's riding it out, he's delivering it on his bike. So you gave kosher food. Let's make it flay shoes. You gave kosher food to this delivery driver who's going to deliver it on his bicycle. And all he does is he goes down to eat. So as he's going down to eat, do we have to be afraid that he's going to start tampering with the food? Of course not. Everybody's out there watching with him. If any, you know, driver, food delivery person is on a bicycle and they see that somebody sees their hand and back munching on some of that food, so they would eat, nobody's going to go ahead and buy from them again. That's probably the worst offense they could possibly do. So he says, in such a scenario where it's in public, mutter. Why? Shehu yare shema yireno because he's afraid that maybe one of the passerbys will see his hand into that box on the back of his bicycle. And when he's seen with his hand in the, in the box where the food is on the back of his bicycle, everybody's going to assume him to be a Ganav. And he will certainly be afraid that he's going to be fired. And as much as he may want a Romanian sandwich, it's probably not worth getting fired over that to go ahead and steal somebody else's sandwich and lose your job. Now, this phrase is what got me particularly excited. Because we have a concept, now we you know, revert back to Chosha Mishpat, because we always have to. So in Chosha Mishpat, there's an idea that, uh, as you know, that my chatzar, my yard, is able to acquire property on my behalf. When is my chatzar, when is my, 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 my uh, 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 karka, when is my land able to acquire property on my behalf? So Chazal say it's only when it's chatzar hamishtameres, only when it's guarded property guarded or protected property. So what's the definition of guarded or protected property? So that's the question. On my front step, right, where packages are dropped off, everybody has it nowadays, that Amazon comes and UPS comes and whoever the driver is, and they go ahead and they drop packages off on your front step. So is that considered to be a guarded place or not? So most people assume right away that guarded means it's behind a fence. 
if it's behind a fence or behind a locked fence or something like that, that's going to be uh, guarded. And if it's out in the open, you don't have a, a fence around your front yard. You just have your front step over there. So that's considered to be unguarded. So Chaim Kohn told us that the definition of Chatzor Mishtameres is any place where a person would be afraid to be caught. Because if he's caught there, he would be, he uses this phrase, he'd be assumed to be a Ganav. So if some guy who does not, is not part of your household and he's not dropping off a package, if he's hanging around by your front step where packages are dropped off, so if you're one of those uh, good neighbors, you're going to shout out to him and say, hey, what are you doing on the Appleson's front porch over there? What are you doing by their, by their front door? What, what, what do you want from them over there? And people would be afraid to be caught as a Ganav if they start tampering around. Certainly if he's messing around with the packages, certainly then somebody's going to yell at him and say, hey, what are you doing over there? You, you thief, get out of here. So in the same way that we have this idea that when the food is out in the open, and if somebody were to go near it, it would appear as if they are stealing the food, and they would be caught stealing the food, that already is a reliable disincentive for the non-Jew to go ahead and start tampering with it. So I think the same thing applies with the food, which is dropped off on this uh, this woman's front porch, that being that if somebody started, if a non-Jew started tampering with that food, and somebody else was coming to drop off food, they say, hey, get out, get your hands out of that uh, that food, you're not allowed to be here, you, you thief, I'm calling the police on you right now, the person would run like a sissy. And being that they would run like a sissy in that case, so that gives that that adds the the necessary fear we have, which even the Aruch Hashulchan would agree to that nobody's going to want to get caught as a ganav, and therefore even though it's out in a hefker place, you don't have to be afraid that anybody's going to tamper with it. And that's why I think I have to call it back after Shirna, but that's why I think that uh, the uh, the that Lamaskana at the end of the day that all of the, that it's going to be uh, permitted because we don't have to be a, a, a afraid that somebody's tampering with something which is on somebody's front step and you have to go there and uh, give that the appearance of uh, of theft. What about a surveillance camera or one of those doorbells, ring doorbells that right you can so, see so that that should as as, lo- as long as the Ghana would potentially see that it's there. Right, but if, if it's a hidden say this camera, is a surveillance camera, you know. Right, on it. Right. So if yeah. you have a big sign saying that uh, you know uh, that uh, we have a surveillance camera over there, so right, that would certainly work as well. That uh, you know that works in, even in uh, according to many post even regular kosher circumstances, they could have just let everybody know that there's a camera there. Some people use that uh, as far as with the uh, the meat which they have in their refrigerator is they tell the domestic help, or they tell the housekeeper, or they tell whoever their babysitter is, who's home with them uh, with, with the food, they say, we have a camera. You know, we, we're, we're very mockbit about kashras, and therefore we have a camera in the kitchen which records what's going on. And as soon as the camera doesn't even have to be on necessarily. They just have to think that the camera's on, or it may not even record. It could just be a, a camera which is on and has the light which is flashing, but it's not recording anything. But as long as they don't know that, then they have the fear that if they do something wrong, they'll be caught and fired, and that, uh, that works. Yeah. So the criterion is uh, really what's in the mind of the potential guy. Correct. Yes. We, ju- we just need that, that. What's referred to the halachic term for that is mirsas. Mem yud resh saf saf. So as long as they have fear of being caught, so then, uh, then, then we're good to go. What about the brazenness of the thieves nowadays, where a lot of packages are stolen off of people's porches? Yeah. Porch this pirates. is very common nowadays. Right. Yeah, porch pirates. Yeah. So, right. So as far as uh, uh, Amazon package or whatever, yes. Because uh, that goes pretty quickly. If they have to start rummaging through uh, food containers, 
So I think that takes a little bit more time than they would be comfortable doing. That's my guess. There are there are there are thieves who don't mind. You know, they're, they're willing to take the risk. You know, it's not that it, it, it's not that it's it's a hundred percent foolproof that thieves wouldn't do that because, as we know, thieves break into homes too. <laughs> you can't have a, a, a more secure place than you know a, a locked home. So that certainly would be chutzimishtameres, but it means that most people would not uh, would not go ahead and do so because uh, of the fear of getting caught. They also wouldn't switch it for other meat. They would just take it. Right. So that, that, that's an other, another element of the Shiloh. I, I purposely avoided that, so we'll be able to use it at some share in the, in, in the future. But there's a, 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 an idea of, and it was being alluded to a little bit, as far as whether or not there is a, what's the incentive for the, does a, does a guy have an incentive to make a switch? Or there's really no reason for them to make a switch. There's no benefit for them to make a switch. Uh, and in such a case, the fear also falls away. So that's that, that, that's another element of the uh, of the shaila, which is much more relevant um, for the babysitter, the cleaning help, the domestic help, whoever those uh, you know somebody taking care of an elderly parent or something like that. It's much more relevant in that case. Do they have any incentive to go ahead and make the switch or not? Now, if you're on an airplane and you're eating a meal and you have to go to the washroom, what do you have to do with with your meal while you're gone? Yeah, so I, I, I don't remember who told, it could be that Rebecca Holm told the, the story of somebody who was, uh, who was on a plane and that's exactly what happened to them. And they, uh, they came back from the bathroom and they ate the, uh, the food. And then sometime later in the flight, the non-Jew said, uh, your food looked so delicious while you were gone, actually made a little bit of a switch. I wanted to try some of your food and I put some of my food into your thing. The guy was like horrified that uh, somebody would go ahead and do that on a plane. But apparently that's, you know, that again, you, you can't prove halacha from, you know, this one in a million case. But, uh, but it, 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 it supports your, your, your question that, yeah, you'd need to do something to make sure that, uh, that nobody's tampering with it. You know, that, that's why most of the things, uh, uh, each of the individual parts of the meal come wrapped, besides the double wrapping around everything else, but then each of the roll has its own wrapping and the dessert has its own wrapping and each thing has its own wrapping. So that, uh, that, that should be pretty good as far as, uh, as, far as that. I would also assume that the, so you don't really have to be concerned because uh, an, airpl- an airplane is a pretty public place. If you're walking down the aisle seeing somebody you know, messing around with foods, you'd uh, certainly be uh, a little bit suspicious. Yeah. All right, everybody. Okay, thank you, Rabbi. Take care. Have a good Shabbos.